Welcome to the Soulful Sound Podcast. This podcast is about celebrating the leaders, teachers, and coaches who guide fellow humans to connect, heal, and discover themselves so they can express their gifts into the world. I am Simone Niles, a coach, sound healer, vocalist, and author. Thank you for being here with me today. In this Soulful Sound conversation, I'm joined by a group of awesome individuals who are experts in the field of voice, sound, and music, just to name a few. I'm joined by the wonderful Michelle Escoffrey, who is an award-winning British singer, songwriter, and vocal producer, having consistently amassed accolades as one of the UK's most respected songwriters. Also joined by the beautiful Juliet Russell, who is a singer, composer, vocal coach and choir director. She is passionate about supporting individuals and communities to develop their voices and creativity. And last but certainly not least, the lovely Alexandra Rigazzi-Tarling, who is a voice and singing coach, sound therapist and the teacher for the College of Sound Healing. In this episode, we explore how to access your authentic voice, the role identity plays, and the importance of play in reconnecting to your sound. How connected are you to your voice? Do you feel it truly represents who you are and your expression? Are you speaking, singing, or simply sounding with intention and purpose? Join us for this thought-provoking conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new Soulful Sound Conversation, where I'm joined by this amazing group of beautiful souls. I have Juliet Russell, Alexandra Rigetzi-Tarling, Michelle Escoffrey, all joining me here to talk about how to find your authentic voice. And they're all experts in their own right in the world of sound and sound healing and singing and vocalizing and songwriting, the music industry, lovely, lovely, yummy stuff. So I'm really excited to be joined by this lovely group. And we're going to jump in straight away, just getting our first thoughts around finding that authentic sound or voice. So I'm going to jump straight on in and I'm going to go straight to you, Juliet. What are your first thoughts about finding your authentic voice? I suppose the first thing is that you have an authentic voice. You have it. And it's um, everyone's voice is unique. Everyone's voice is a reflection of them to some extent. Like if someone phones you up, you know immediately if you know them already who it is. Um, and just that it's there. And, and sometimes it's just really sometimes a matter of, of uncovering it mm. or understanding when you do find it, how to tune into that more frequently. Beautiful. I love that. Love it. Thank you. Over to you, Alexandra. Sorry, didn't unmute. <laughs> you now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, exactly what Juliet said, you know, you you speak to someone on the phone and you know immediately who it is and it's that authentic sound. And within that sound, you can, you can tell how somebody's feeling. You can tell how state of health is. You can tell so much um, about them just from that sound. So looking at it from different points of view, whether you're a performer or whether, you know, you're just a regular person going to work your voice is reflecting you wherever you are, whatever you're doing. So it's really getting to the, um, to the core of, um, of, of what you're putting out there actually. And the voice is, is the, is the, the act surface of that. So it's something that we're all responding to 
to and run to um, with everybody all the time. So that's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you. And Michelle, first thought? Yeah, I completely agree with everything that these beautiful ladies have already said. I guess um, for me as well, finding your authentic voice is about um, expressing the core of who you are. And that could be across, you know, situations, whether that's with work or with family or just with yourself, getting to that core of yourself and understanding, okay, this is who I am and this is how I express myself. Um, And giving yourself permission to express yourself as well, because a lot of the time we have this desire to communicate and communicate our ideas or communicate our opinions, but we're struggling with finding that voice or that courage to be able to um, express ourselves in, in changing times, especially where we are now. How do we express ourselves in, in this changing environment? Um, so, yeah, I think um, tapping into that and also tapping into what's really real for us as individuals um, and being able to express that too. That's awesome. I mean, that's such a yummy introduction. There's so many nuggets that have come through from that. And I would love to know, you know, I came up with this title and I did this with the very, um, I suppose, the intention of dissecting it somewhat. So how to find your authentic voice may imply that you've lost it. It, may, it may, may imply that you don't know where it is and therefore you need to look for it. And I wonder your thoughts on that because my personal opinion is that it's, it's always there and it's there to be uncovered. I think you might have used the word uncover, um, Alexandra. And it's, it's really about finding um, ways into uncovering something as opposed to something that's lost. And so I'd be curious to know your thoughts on just that first take. Any of you can jump in on that and then we'll move forward from there. I mean, I'll I'll start. (laughs) Um, I think it's it's a really valid point because actually, you know, do do we lose our authentic voice? Of course we don't. It's always there. But at the same time, I think depending on what happens to us, who we're uh, faced with, who we're living with, who we're working with, I think that our authentic self and the reflection of that with the voice can can be swayed. And I think we have to be constantly mindful and Mm -hmm. check in with ourselves that we are always reflecting what's true to us. And whether that is just being, you know, actually in a state or you know what we say to and how we're feeling um you know I, I say to somebody the other day this uh this idea that do you notice that your voice changes when you're talking to different people do you notice that you perhaps feel more confident around some people less confident around others different when you're in performing mode when you're you know all of these different situations and I think it's asking yourself it's constantly going going within sort of saying wow you know that situation made me feel unnerved why what was going on there how did I feel it's constantly it's being self-aware and I think that's so important I think not self-aware in a in a in a self-conscious way in the sense that you know it's about ego it's how I look it's not about that but it's questioning how you feel you know at the end of the day just saying well you know why did I feel that way why couldn't I express myself what is it that I'm afraid of because I think fear sort of can creep into this sense of being authentic um 
I don't know if anyone wants to expand on that or has anything to say about that, but it's, yeah, I think it's a really self-reflection is a, is a huge part of this. Yeah. And I think the inward looking is huge. I mean, I talk a lot about that revolving door when it comes to authenticity or alignment, where it's, you're going inward and coming out in and out. And it's that inward searching and and connection and that outward expression. And it's, it's a constant dance. It's never ending. It's not static because I think we, as people talking about authenticity, we are evolving. So the person that I was 10 years ago, wasn't the fake me. It was the me that existed then based on my life's experiences. And so now we're I am now, hopefully I'm able to be in touch with that. So that's what I continue to express. So I love the inward looking piece and I love the ex- the outwardly expression because it's a lot about that dance and revolving door, as I like to call it. Um, but yeah, please jump in, Juliet, and let me know your thoughts on the finding piece. I don't know if I'm going to answer the question very well on this, but I just have quite a few thoughts from what Michelle and Alexander both said, which is one thing about that getting in touch with what's real to you. And that sort of self-knowledge of when you know, when you kind of have that compass about what's real for you and you can acknowledge that and live with it. And then, because really when you're expressing yourself, if you're saying how you feel or something, it's just how you feel, for example. And it's not necessarily an, an, a challenge to someone else. And you're also not saying you're making me feel. It's kind of having ownership of what that is. But that can be quite hard, depending on how you've grown up and lots of different things in life can happen. Of course. So there's, so there might be things that you've responded in a certain way that have been habitual because in the environment you're in or in specific environments that you're in, there is a culture around that. So it's finding how we balance because there's something about being very comfortable. And I think that's really interesting about the hearing fear in voice or when you don't necessarily react or respond as a better word to things in the way that later you would do differently when you look back mm-hmm. on it. But I also think it's really important for us to still be challenged because if we're only where we're comfortable and we're, our voice isn't necessarily being challenged and, and as people we're being challenged, then how are we going to understand other people's lived experiences and, and mm. other situations? So, so it's just more, some, more thoughts rather than an answer, I think. But yeah, that's just what came up for me when I was thinking, listening to what the others said. Yeah, and I think it's really um, a very key point in taking ownership. Because I think often, as we know, the challenges in life come up and we go through experiences, way, which, of course, may affect what's going on inside and therefore reflect that outwardly through our voice where we might feel disconnected. But I think that taking ownership is a great platform to whether it's the self-aware start or the making a shift start or refining an evolving place. It doesn't matter. But that self-awareness and ownership and taking responsibility is key, is huge, I think, um, in making any change towards whether it's that um you know expressing yourself authentically or you know as you said we all have different experiences but I think it's really important to as you said acknowledge someone else's lived experience and there is something special in honoring and meeting people where they are so I think that's that's really beautiful yeah awesome thank you Michelle do you want to drop some thoughts on that um I kind of feel the same way. I'm thinking about, um, you know, when you have, when you have a child and they're uh, say a toddler and they're, they're finding their voice and they're making all these sounds and these noises and they're being loud and then they get hushed and they get quiet and down. And I think sometimes a lot of us go through um, conditioning where our authentic voice is quietened and suppressed and, um, 
we we have to go through this process even with singing you know sometimes I know from my own experience you know my authentic voice isn't necessarily as pretty as you might want it to sound for certain markets and I struggled with that and that the raspiness of my voice like oh I don't really like it I don't I don't want to sound like that um but over years you keep coming back to it and and you, you know you sing something and it comes out it jumps out and you're like oh I wasn't really I didn't want it to sound like that and I've had to make peace with that and start learning my, my daughter said something the other day and I, I sat back and thought actually you know what you're so right she's she's very vocal and she loves to laugh and she loves belly laughs and you hear her in her bedroom and she's like laughing or singing at the top of her voice and it, you know it's I, I kind of chuckle at it now because she said to me you know what mum I've realized now she's 18 and she's like this is going to be me you know I'm going to be that woman sitting in my room laughing at the top of my voice because I love it and I love that part of me and it's just you know this celebration of actually this is who I am and claiming that and, and celebrating that um I, I think it's a journey that we go on, whether it's feeling wise or developing our voice. We go on this journey of trying. Sometimes we, we, we want it to sound one way, but actually it sounds another way. And it's connecting with that and, and understanding that and maybe understanding the journey of why our voice is the way that it is and how it's come to be that way and how we can blend that into other aspects of our beingness um, and how we show up in the world. And it, it can be quite exciting. I think I totally agree with what Alexandra said. It's not about um, we've lost it and have to find it. It's always there. It's always within us. It's always been there, but it's uncovering it mm-hmm. and unwrapping it and um, nurturing it and loving it and, and almost coaxing it out of ourselves um, to be able to say, actually, yeah, this is, this is who I am. And this is, this is what it is. And this is how I sound. And actually, I mean, most people, I think most of us don't like when we hear ourselves back, like even, vocally like talking on the phone or you hear a recording you think oh is that what I sound like but it's it's finding those sweet spots within it whether it is that belly laugh or that sigh or that little thing that somebody does just before they're about to say something Mm. um I think it's finding those spots those those magic spots within ourselves and really teasing them out and and being in that fullness and being okay with that as well Beautiful. There's so much yumminess in there. I want to unpack some of it, but before I pull some of the points out that I want to address, I'm going to jump back in with Alexandra and Juliet because I think I can see that they have some sparkles in their eyes that they'd like to jump in on some of what you've said as well. So Alexandra, what would you like to add to that? Well, I mean, what was just going through my mind, um, it was so lovely, Michelle, what you said, because, you know, it's it's absolutely about uncovering it and through the journey, then you giving yourself permission to to be that. And it's so wonderful that your daughter at 18, you know, is uh, just there. That's amazing. You know, it's incredible. Um, It just it made me think, um, I mean, certainly for myself as a child, I was always very extrovert, very out there, really like loud as anything, didn't care. And there came a sort of point where that that stopped, you know, and I was just, as you were talking, I was just thinking, oh, you know, where did, what point, which point did that happen? 
Mm. And it's certainly not that I'm any less confident, but there was this point where I stopped sort of, rah, <laughs> you know, raw. Um, and then it just made me sort of go into thinking about, you know, various people that perhaps have come over the years for sessions and, and you know, how life impacts upon that. And, and you know, even sort of formal training. I mean, you know, um, if you've been to music college or you've been to, you know, a drama school or whatever it were, pathway, um, how, you know, we're sort of looking inwards and, and keeping that sort of uh, asses but actually how sometimes um, we can almost take it too far. We can go, we can be too self-critical to the point where we're analysing everything. And so it was just having said what I did at the beginning and then listening to what you said, it really made me sort of go the other way and think, oh, which point do we analyse too much? At which point do we become um, too self-aware that we're, you know, uh, stopping those really natural sort of explosions of the self, you know, that sort of, like you said, you're just roaring and laughing and being there. Um, And when do we that you know because certainly uh going back to what i said at the beginning around certain people perhaps you feel your way or you know if you're going to a serious audition or you're you know doing something and you you can't be that way so it's finding that that sort of line and of course that comes with experience and i think it comes with age but it's it's such an interesting um this point in the conversation it's it's got sort of racing so if anybody else wants to give me any answers that'd be great (laughs) Awesome. Juliet? Uh, yeah, well, I felt the same as Alexandra said when Michelle was talking about her daughter. I thought that sort of freedom and that kind of really acceptance at 18 is just brilliant. And to have that and to hope she can hold on to that all of the time mm-hmm. during her life. And I think, I mean, probably we all feel similarly in the sense that we, there is an authentic voice in all of us and it may come in and out of it. And I, I, there's a few things that have come up because you're both saying such amazing things that are provoking so many thoughts. But Michelle said something about just just before you speak, that little sweet spot. And like, it's not even when you speak, but almost that that going to do something. And I don't I don't know. Like when I think the other thing to say is that emotion isn't perfect. So letting go of perfection is really important because things are changing all the time. Like I'm tired, my voice will be down there. If I'm excited, it'll be up here. And and just those things that are very natural and kind of come from that kind of spontaneity, like a belly laugh. They're often the time when we are expressing ourselves really freely. Um, or if you're singing, kind of happy birthday to your friend rather than hitting a happy birthday. I was singing on a stage or something. You'd be much more free and exuberant with the way you might sing it because there's no judgment around it. Mm. And just, I suppose, another thing not, I was struck by something with that sort of free voice. And I was working with that 20 singers and I was, we rehearsed and then they were all in the dressing room and I was outside the door and I could hear them. (laughs) It was like a flock of amazing birds. Like there was so much volume and so much like unbridled voice. And I think because everyone was comfortable, they'd done the rehearsal and the scary bit. And just knowing how you feel when you are relaxed or exuberant or whatever your voice is and just letting it be what it is. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. So what I wanted to pull from it, and, you know, we can take this further if you'd like, is you mentioned um, for your own personal experience, Michelle, and, I find this to be the same for me and working with singers. I I often find this thread and that is a, I would say an unconscious calling. I call it that because you mentioned, you know, that you try this or you do that, but your voice keeps calling you back. It's like this innate part of you that goes, this is what you sound like. This is where you're resonating right now. This is what feels real and free and all of those things for you right now. So even though there were parts of you that might've been, 
um, not criticizing, but maybe judging the sound of, oh, I don't want this husky sound right now. I want to have this, this pretty sound for this particular gig or whatever it might have been. I think there is something precious in that calling back to that sound that I find really interesting. And also with your daughter as well, um, in the way she said, this is just how I am and this is how I'm going to be, struck me as uh, this is my identity. Right. So there there is that piece of identity now that I want to throw out to you. What are your thoughts about how tied in is our voice to our identity? It's an interesting thought because she just said, oh, this is just me. This is who I am. This is how I'm going to be. She was relating as this free voice. Right. And I love that. So any of you want to jump in on identity and authentic voice? It'd be, I'd be curious to know about your thoughts on that. Well, I can join. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, gosh, how long have you got with this? Because I think it's it's absolutely huge. <laughs> um, just I, I mean, where does it just go? I mean, certainly uh, coming from an opera background, um, identity and voice was was absolutely it was everything that mattered because you know you had to categorise your voice. Uh, the soprano, mezzo-soprano, and then all the different types of voice types within that category and so on. And I spent my life um, juggling with, you know, where am I? Who, what voice? What is this? And, and it's always about, oh, hi, you know, my name's Alexandra. I'm a mezzo-soprano. Oh, hi, my name's, I'm a soprano. I'm a, well, what voice type are you? I'm this. And it's very much about identity you know and and if you're a soprano there's a set of characteristics that run along with that and if that if you're a mezzo soprano there's characteristics and repertoire and all of this stuff so certainly in the opera world identity uh, and voice type were, were very very linked and I know this is different from authentic voice what we're talking about um, however it had such an impact on me because I felt that my voice was really quite extraordinary I mean I had a huge range but I never had a, a place that I that I sat comfortably um, and just looking at this from a sort of professional point of view rather than just finding, I say just, but, you know, just sort of exploring one's natural sound. Um, it wasn't until I took myself away from everything else that was there, whether that was people telling me, you know, you sound like this, do this, do it wasn't until I took myself away and just worked with this sort of core sound and sang stuff that I felt drawn to, whatever that might be, mm-hmm. that my voice finally settled to a place where I could say, actually, yeah, this is what it is. You know, this is, this is what I, if I have to label myself, this is what I can label myself with and feel that, yeah, that it, it, it represents me. So I think that, you know, having this sort of labels when it comes to your voice, uh, you know, what type of voice it is, whether you see the raspy voice or the sweet voice or the, I think it, certainly on the performer, you know, it, it becomes everything. And then at that point, then I think we almost move away a little bit from the authentic sound because I think we're battling with two things. You know, um, Michelle, you said, you know, when you're sounding your authentic sound, it might not be what you what you need for the job that you're doing at the time. So there's this sort of division there as well. Um, yet there is a way to sort of tie it up. And it wasn't until I found my sort of authentic uh, authentic voice within opera that I then started to move away from opera because I'd found something else. So it was, you know, um, 
it's a whole sort of voice depending on where you are you know if you are a singer and depending on, on, on what you're uh what you're doing I, um how long have you got but um over to you guys <laughs> that beautiful i found it very interesting that as you said it's when you started to really feel connected to whatever that authentic sound was for you that you started to move away from opera um, so finding a platform for yourself that would allow you to, to resonate there or live in that space a little bit more, perhaps. So that's quite interesting. Yeah. Your thoughts, Juliet? Um, to be honest, I just lost my thread a little bit because I was thinking what you were saying. But um, I think a lot of it comes back to emotion again, is that lots of people have beliefs about their voice and it might have been beliefs they've been told, like, oh, I'm a high singer or, you know, I... I I don't know, whatever it might be, but actually your voice does loads of things. It's, the, you know, an incredibly versatile musical instrument. Yeah. And the example I use all the time when I'm working with singers who maybe feel like they haven't got a strong, powerful voice, if a, a car was driving along and you saw someone step out, you'd go, hey! You wouldn't think, oh, hang on, make sure more I've filled up my breath and my diaphragm is active. And blah, blah. It's just those kind of responsive things. That it, when it happens and just understanding that your voice does so much. Yeah. And, and it's often, I suppose singing, if you like, is like a, a more expressive form of speech and then it's framed in music and sounding. So there's so many layers of communication and emotion. Mm. And there's, there's a whole, I mean, there's studies on like, opera singers singing sharp at a heightened, um, heightened moment of music. And a panel of experts were judging it and said they couldn't, tell, they couldn't tell it was sharp, even though they were kind of expert panels because actually it was serving the emotion. And so sometimes we get a bit tangled up in this, perfect the thing but actually if you're in it you're in it and we all know that when we're singing freely we're not thinking about what we're singing it's just coming through us and there's a kind of there's almost we're quite irrelevant to that process and not because we've done that but it's almost like there's a passing through and a sharing and it's not just about what's going on here it's about what's going on here here (laughs) yeah Absolutely. I think that's great. Um, We know that our, as singers and vocalists, outside of obviously people who have sound and express in in speaking in other ways, that our instrument isn't just here. We know that it is us and that this might be where the vocal cords are are housed, but there's so much more. Our body and our energy is really a big part of how we project that out. And by projection, I'm not referring to um, vocal projection, but the projection of self through sound. And I think that that's really important to, to uh, recognize and acknowledge that it's an entirety of us that we're expressing, even though it might be through what feels in certain instances as a small part of us, but it's actually all of us. And I know that I think it might also be an opera because I, I remembered I had a, uh, a singing session many, many years ago, a few decades ago, and I think it was an opera teacher who said, when you sing, you want to feel like you're a bell. It's like you're just knocking against the, the, the resonance. It's just like that inner part of you just moving around and it's creating resonance in all areas. And the bell goes on and on and on and on. And she was talking about specific context, but it stood with me because I think that was a moment where I realized, wow, my voice is bigger than I thought. You know, I, for me personally, the thing that it was always, oh, Simone has such a lovely, sweet voice, a small, sweet sound. And I thought, but what if I want to have a big sound that's not sweet? Does it mean it's not me? Because that's just how my voice was described. So I love that you're able to, um, you know, work with some of the labels because it's important in the music industry for sure. Acknowledge that you have some comfort zones in your voice. But like you said, Juliet, challenge yourself outside of that. 
challenge yourself because as human beings, that's what happens. That's where the growth happens outside the comfort zone. So we want to do that vocally as much as in, in our life. So I love, love these points. I'm, yeah, I'm loving this conversation. Michelle. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to think of something to add to. I'm like sitting there going, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, I guess one of the things I love what um, you said, Julia, about being, you know, it flows through you, the, the emotion um, and, and what then comes out of your mouth. It's something that flows through you. And I, I guess in, in terms of speaking about authenticity, for me, particularly if I'm producing a vocal, that's the thing that I'm looking for. I'm looking for the performer that um, becomes enmeshed with the emotion and you become that storyteller of conveying through your voice what that emotion is, whether it is a, you know, a crack in the voice or it is a bellowing sound or on the breath, something whispery, but you're, you're conveying that. And I think when we, when we touch into, you know, the core, the authenticity of our voice, we can do that in any, you know, any dynamic, but we are tuning in to that specific emotion at that time at that point and becoming one with that and 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 pouring that out and uh, I guess the 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 best singers in the world that's what they do and that's why they they grasp us so much because we feel what they sing we're we're tapping into that emotion when they sing it Um, so I definitely feel that expressing the voice is about feeling that emotion and I, I guess sometimes you know, not necessarily from a singing point of view, but from an expressing point of view, if we're not in touch with that emotion or that feeling, whether it's because we're out of alignment or we haven't even acknowledged that feeling, then it's difficult to express that, you know, authentically because we're not in touch with it. So I guess the practice is really touching in, as you said, um, Simone, touching in with yourself and really becoming aware of the nuances of those emotions and and how they are to be or how they could possibly be expressed at that time. And that's mm-hmm. just amazing. That really is that we can we can do that. That's that's awesome. Yeah. If we were free enough to do more of it, we'd be yeah. flying. We I- really would be. And I mean, very often when I'm teaching, I I work a lot in the heart and head arena, meaning that I really help people to really open up the heart space and tap into that. So whether we call it emotion or anything else around the feeling, really connecting with what really matters and what's needed in the moment so that that's what can be expressed. And I think I must have asked this question, and I know it's over a thousand students by now because it's been over a decade I've been asking it, but I often say if you go into a building and the building has two doors, there's door A and door B, and because you're a singer yourself and you're learning and you know about sound, you go into door A and you see someone on stage who's impeccable in terms of technique. You can hear that, oh my gosh, it's so polished and everything, but you're not moved. And then you go into door B and then you can hear the flaws. You can hear someone maybe a bit pitchy or something not quite belted in the correct way. But boy, are you taken by the way they've expressed themselves. Who would you go back to see first? Now, I asked that question to thousands of students over the years, and no one has said A. But what I always tell them is the good news is they can break the wall down between those two doors 
and have both. Great technique, which I very often relate to thinking process when I'm working in a technical way. So that's the head and it's important. We're human beings. We have the head, we have the thoughts, we have that, but it's also what we feel and that heart place. And I think what you're saying is, you know, really being able to tell the story, you have to tap into what that really is in order to tell it in whatever way, shape or form. And then you can decide how dynamic you want it to be based on adding some head and, and, and thought to that. Um, but that heart space is so yummy. It's so beautiful. And even just getting someone to, to warm up in a scale where they're connecting to something. Often when I'm working with students, I said, well, I love the way you sang that scale, but what if the next time you sing it, some part of the world or some cause or something that really matters to them changes. You heal this place or this person or poverty in this, in this city is, is gone. What would, what would happen if you sang it with that intention? And it's amazing how different it sounds. It's amazing how different it sounds. So I think based on what we were just talking about, I'm going to throw in a question from one of our audience members because I think it might be a really at time to do that. So it's, I'm a professional singer who's had many years of experience in practice, particularly in the function band arena. My work often requires me to be a chameleon by adapting to many genres and artists, and I sometimes get lost in it and get disconnected with my real sound or true voice. Those are inverted commas, so I'm doing what they did. Um, what can I do to connect, to reconnect, and how do I know when it's really mine, when it's really my sound? I think that question is twofold. How do I reconnect with it? And then how do I know when it's really mine? So please do jump in and answer in whatever way, if you want to break it into two, I'm happy with that too. I would say it's always theirs. It's just, it's always their voice. Whether they feel they're expressing something that's not stylistically what they would normally go to because it serves the song, because obviously they are singing covers that are known to people and you might want to honour the artist or the knowledge of what's gone before. Yeah. Um, but it's all their voice. It's all their voice. So I think, but it's also, I was really interested with what um, Alexandra said earlier about when she steps away from opera, what mm. she found. And so sometimes it's like, how do you get back to your voice? Like what tools do you have that get you back to that? And I, I suppose personally, I find either, lots of different ways actually. I found this in the garden. I've been doing a lot of breath work with some of my singers and I'm trying to walk more alongside them by practicing what I preach alongside them. So if I'm working with them, I'm trying to do that myself. And I was doing um, a yoga session in the garden and I was really, really, really connecting to my breath. And then I always do like three ohms at the end of the practice. And the ohms were like so deep. And I was like, oh, so, and that kind of surprised me, but it was because I was working on something else. And then the way they came out was, was different. And I would say that was my authentic sound at that point that, that day and being super relaxed and having really worked on breathing or really not even worked on breathing, but breathed. Yeah. Um, so personally, I feel most of myself when I sing my songs because I've written them and I feel like that's my voice. But equally, sometimes I find that maybe I limit myself because I write for, for me where I'm comfortable. <laughs> so there's that too. So it's like, then, then how do I play around with that? So I think, but equally, I go to a lot of different things. Like I've done everything from beatboxing to tube and throat singing to Eastern European singing to African singing to just, just what makes your voice move and play what what can you uncover um so I don't know I think for that particular singer understand that you you you're almost like where so say I'm going to a wedding I'm not going to go in dungarees you know unless I really fancy dungarees so it's just like knowing what she's doing is just all he's doing is just right for that occasion that's fine but that doesn't mean that's their style all the time but how do they find that and maybe finding 
ways of doing that. It might be as simple as chanting or sounding, but it might be going to go to do something different or just what's, what's their go-to? What do they love? What lights them up? Yeah. Love that. Thank you. Alexandra. I think certainly what Juliet said, you know, it's what lights you up, isn't it? And I mean, that certainly changes from, from day to day, but there are always those things where you just think, yeah, that just, that just feels good. That just feels nice. And, and I think that's to go within and always look at how do I feel when I'm doing this? Now I'm not suggesting that they don't feel good when they're, when they're gigging and doing all that. Of course, I'm sure they're they're having a great time, but when the adrenaline's not sort of flowing and when you're, you're just with yourself, um, I do something with, with clients called vocal play. And it's very much about this, um, you know, get back to just the voice that's there, you know, from one minute to the next, nothing to do with the the performing, uh, the performing persona, um, again, the ego, the adrenaline, all the stuff that you have to sort of muster to to get up there and and give a good show. But just, just sitting like actually, again, as Juliet said, after something like yoga, after sort of deep breath practice, actually sort of really moving the body. And then, you know, I have, um, I have this shruti box, this sort of, uh, it's a bit like an accordion Indian classical instrument and it just plays, you know, drones and sounds. And I just say to people, come on, let's just take, do some deep breathing and then let's just sound some notes and then let's just sound some notes together like Simone, like we've, we've done in the past. And we just, we just sound and it's high and low and, and we just literally play. And this sort of whole idea of vocal play, it's not to do with, um, any sort of performance but it's just to do with a little voice to sound and you know that's um actually you'd think would be easier but are used to using their voice um professionally but actually very often they're just like uh, uh what should i <laughs> what should i sound it's like just sound anything just 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 breathe and whatever happens happens and actually channel uh, channeling that sort of sense of spontaneity and being able to sound without any pre-programming, you know, no text and no tune, no notes in front of you, no backing track, nothing, just sounding is a really good way of, of sort of um, tuning back in with your own sound. I would say your own voice. Um, but I really think that that the, the breath work is important because it's only when um, certainly, you know, in opera, there's, there's a lot of breath uh, sustaining of the breath and and I know with you know with more popular stuff you need very little breath to to make the vocal cords work in fact you don't need a lot of breath at all and it's damaging if you do have too much breath but it's about sort of let's get back to the body and see what the body wants to sound because actually um it has its own ideas you know once you let it go and once you start it goes where it wants to go. And, and that's not only um, fun because you find you start to tap into to your authentic sound, um, but it's, it's really liberating mentally. I mean, you, you, you just, you, you get all sorts of ideas pop into your mind. It's a form of meditation actually, and it serves um, two, two goals. So I would highly recommend that, or, or at least going to somebody who can facilitate that um, like you do, um, Simone, with your with your sound, you said at the end of your sound uh, vocal sound bars, you let people just have the opportunity to tone. So it's you know just have, giving yourself permission to do that, I think is is the well. Mm. 
giving yourself permission. I love that. And I, and I do know the, the difficulties in, in sometimes letting go and surrendering into that, because as you mentioned, at the ends of the sound bath where they have this um, experience and they go through me sounding for about an hour, then when I invite them into sounding, and it was interesting because one of my um, attendees in particular was a past vocal client of mine. So I know she's a singer and there's no issues with singing because I've heard her beautiful voice and she's out there doing her thing. But she said to me, that was so hard. She said, I felt so vulnerable. I didn't expect it. And I said, because you weren't singing, you were sounding. And it doesn't, it's not that far in between. I think singing can be very much like sounding, but it was to make sure that she understood that, as you said, there was no programming. There was no, I'm about to perform or use my voice in a particular way. It was just let my voice come out in whatever way it needs to right now is right. And I love that, that particular, um, you know, it's not what we can just do on stage necessarily um, if we have something that's prescribed. Yes, we can just be free on stage. But if something, if there's a very particular, um, as we know in the music industry, if you have a brief, you have a brief, you got to kind of work with that as a pro as well. So I completely get that, that nuance. Um, and I love the dance between the two. So it's interesting. Over to you, Michelle. I think as well, it's about um, if, if you really love an artist or you love um a particular song is breaking that song down and just singing it your way. Mm-hmm. Um, so not even worrying about, you know, the, the, how you sing it in the function band or how you have to sing it on stage, but just being, being able, being free enough to just hum it or sing it how you would really want to sing it um, outside of the performance element of it and just seeing where that goes um, and seeing how you feel about it. I love to, I love to sing in the shower I love to sing when I'm hoovering and sometimes it's like re remixing something that I've, you know, you've heard, but you want to sing it your own way or you only know the chorus and you sing the chorus 10 hundred times at the top of your voice just to feel it in a different way. And I, I think sometimes we focus so much on getting it right that we don't allow ourselves to just have fun with it. So I, I definitely agree with everything that's already been said, have fun with it be free with it and just almost deconstruct it and see how it fits with you and then take it back backwards from there. And and also if you're a songwriter, it is playing around with styles that you love. And it's like, you know, let me write something like this today and see how I feel and see what the voice sounds like. Let me write something like this tomorrow and see what that feels and just try them on for size and see, see where you sit comfortably. And it might be a mishmash of two or three styles together. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you don't explore it, then you're never really going to know. So it's taking that time to really explore styles and see what fits well and see where you feel comfortable or where you feel stretched and you think, actually, you know what? I really like singing on the on the edge of my voice. That that feels that gives a sense of urgency that I never really acknowledged before. But it's just playing around with that and, and figuring out really, you know, what feels nice and what what fits and what what you might want to actually expand into or grow into as well. I think I think that's really important to do experiment. Yeah, and I think the thread that I'm picking up from from all all of us in this particular is um, stepping away from the context might be a really big part of it. So, you know, Juliet would say, like, maybe you write for your voice and maybe you're comfortable in writing songs for you, maybe, as you said, but equally, you've done all these different types of exploration and experimentation outside of it. 
that I'd like to think that that's brought into it anyway. Even if it's comfortable in your range, something else has been stretched and, and explored out of the context so that when you come back into songwriting, you're bringing that with you, that experience and the exploration, you know, whether it is in hoovering and or it is that you're just sounding and it's not in the context of something interesting about that, that I've picked up that not, none of you said when you're on stage and you're actually performing this song, this is what you need to do. So I think it's really worth noting that because anyone and, and to answer obviously this person's question that that exploration, it's okay for it not to be in that context. In, case, in fact, it might be better that it isn't so that you bring something fresh in it. And it doesn't mean that the exploration can't happen in the context, but as we know, we practice for a gig. And then when we get into the gig, we have these preconceived ideas of what we want, you know, the intention of what we want it to be or how we want it to sound to a point and not, not fully. I hope, I hope that the freedom to, to be spontaneous happens for us on stage as well. But I do know that that out of context piece is really interesting. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I wanted to ask another question and this is a little, a slightly more context that I've got from this, this person. And I'm really thankful to you and the audience as well for, you know, you know, being brave and asking these questions and, you know, taking responsibility for finding some answers. So I just want to comment, come up, you know, comment even and commend you for that. Um, so this one is slightly outside of the singing arena. Um, but this person happens to be a singer songwriter as well. So she writes, uh, throughout my youth and teenage years, there were certain situations that were repeated quite a few times with the same people. And it developed in me a pattern of what I think is imbalanced or particular coping mechanism. It became that if a similar dynamic or scenario played out, even with different people, that would trigger the same patterns of this imbalance again. And it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Since maturing, I've done a lot of inner work to understand myself and others and heal some of those past pains and imbalances, but still sometimes find myself being triggered and therefore not being able to truly let my voice be heard. My question is, how do I hold on to the authenticity of my true, free, unassuming self in those moments? I'm going to start because I think I'm probably the least qualified to speak about this. <laughs> and I think Michelle and Alexandra probably have more insight. Um, I think, look, first of all, well done on recognising it because that's the first massive step. Like you're recognising that within yourself and you're wanting to change your behaviour. So all of the kinds of the things you've intuited and then, then been through a process of realising is brilliant. Mm. I think sometimes maybe what we don't do enough in life is, is say, oh, I found that a bit challenging. Let me just check in with that. And we definitely don't say it out loud. And maybe if we did, everyone's walls would come down a little bit more and it takes courage to do things like that. Mm. But if you recognise what the dynamic is, it's very rare that you can change, or, very, or maybe never, you can change someone else's position. You can only really change your own. Yeah. So what can you do? What would make you feel more loved, more empowered, more authentic? And I... I I think sometimes it's maybe, maybe just letting someone know how you feel. Just say, oh, that's, that's brought something up for me. You don't even need to say what it is. You don't need to be me, but just check in with yourself. and Maybe you say, oh, I just need a minute. Because it's an interesting thing. Actually, Simone, I had this conversation with you recently that a situation that played out in a different context was playing out for me again. And obviously completely to do with me. And once I kind of realised what it was, that I felt I was, what I felt, I, I, it was something I felt overlooked for. And 
then is that we had a big conversation about visibility and actually understanding what the visibility element was and how that was what I needed to fulfill. It was nothing to do with this other thing or anything else was actually very empowering. So understanding what it is you want from what you feel you're lacking and then going after the positive side of it of what you what you feel you want rather than what is what is making you feel lacked I suppose is the way I would put that beautiful thank you and you are qualified because it's all experience and everyone has (laughs) yeah but (laughs) yeah thank you thanks (laughs) anyone if you want to jump in Michelle um, I was thinking about um, what came up for me instantly as you as you read that was about releasing. You know, if it's if it's something that's recurring, what do I need to let go of? Where what what where am I stuck in this, and what do I need to let go of in order to move past this? And whether that is as as Juliet said, something that I'm doing or that I'm thinking or that I felt about myself. Or actually, I can't control what other people think of me. So I need to let that go. And I need to let go of the expectation that they're going to see me in a certain way. Um, and, and being able to let go of that expectation frees you up and frees up, you know, your energy. Um, and again, it's that, it's that work in progress, isn't it? It's, it's sometimes things come back again, around again to um, just remind us okay, you've peeled back one layer, but you have to peel back some more. There's a little bit more work that needs to be done. And it's, and it's, it's becoming aware of that work that you need to do within yourself um, and how it triggers you as well. Um, what, what emotions does that bring up for you? Um, and how, what, so what do you need to work through? Is that resentment? Is it anger? Is it feeling, you know, unconfident? Is it feeling unseen? Um, and being able to put your hand up and, you know, yeah, congrats for even being able to say, you know what, I've noticed this pattern because that's, you're already leaps and bounds down the road of resolving that for yourself. Um, but I would say, look at, what it is that you need to let go of and in the process of letting go then what it is that you want to now bring in and what is the new experience that you want to be having or what or or what's the new quality that you want to step into nice love that beautiful thank you over to you Alexandra um certainly what you know what both ladies have just said you know absolutely um when coming from a sort of uh, standpoint sound healing and vibration and the fact that we are all uh, resonating and of course our voice is that sort of um, composition of everything that we are as we've already discussed but on a much more subtle level you know um, how can we ever step away from from the things that have happened to us and the situations they're there they are part of us um, I find in the situation um, that this person has described and, you know, how things keep (laughs) reoccurring, I find very often when I've put the work in and I've done it and I think, you know, I'm getting past this now, it's fine. I find that very often a situation comes back to give me the choice of whether or not I step into what I was or whether I can with my new goals and I think that with all of these things and remaining authentic and, and, and you know, trying to, to be who we are, not be sort of um, have all of our past stuff, you know, keep coming back in. I think we're constantly having to make a choice, an active 
decision in every given moment. So, you know, in the situation this person finds themselves and they think, oh, here we go again. And it's like, have a second. Do we have to go again? Or can I, in this moment, choose to say, no, I'm different now. I've changed. I'm, I'm, I've done all the work and I'm here and I've uncovered this wonderful me and I choose to stay in the little me. And in making that conscious choice in the situation or, you know, within days of that situation, the energy that she is giving off, the vibration and the resonance that she is giving off will change the situation because how we feel is reflected in, obviously, as we, as we said, outwardly. So by making the choice to say, no, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see this differently, she's already changing. But unfortunately, things don't change in our time. You know, the universal time is this sort of <laughs> huge thing. And I honestly believe that once we've made the changes and we've put in all the work, we think that's the hard part. But actually, the hardest part is to come because can we sustain it? Can we always choose the new pathway? And for me, that's the hardest thing because you're, you know, you think, oh, I'm I'm cured now. I've had my lessons. I've had my healing sessions. I've done all of my stuff and that's it. No. (laughs) Once you're on the new path and then you've got to resist all of this stuff that wants to come back because it is just, we are just vibration we are just resonance so whatever we call into being is 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 here so in in that choice in that very moment just simply by choosing even if you don't get the immediate reaction that you're looking for that choice has been made and and it will change it will keep it will evolve it will it will keep moving so i think she sounds like she's doing it was a she i think you said she or he um <laughs> sounds like they're already you know already doing it and have done everything so now it's just keep continuing with the choice it's that real sort of I am what I am I am my authentic self I've made this choice to, to be different I stick with this choice mm-hmm. and I keep moving in that pathway that's what that's what I would say I love that and I really I mean the accumulation of everything you've said um, together and I think uh, a really good point there is that crossroads moment which is like a millisecond isn't it it's that moment that is definitely embedded in awareness first which she evidently is to even know there's a pattern know their triggers know there's a a repeat of the pattern all of that awareness as you said michelle is you know leaps and bounds already um and because a lot of the clients that i have i mean we all have different skills and tools and things. I often, when I'm working with behavior, if I don't use the frequency and the sound, I go into the NLP and it's very much about creating new, as you're saying, new neural pathways, literally in our brain, because when we have a habit, we literally can see on an MRI certain, this is how they can look at someone's brain and know they're a smoker or they are certain habits and all the research and that they're doing around um, neuroscience is so fascinating, but they're literally pathways that are carved. I like to think of it as these little carvings in our brain. And the moment you take a a slight shift, even if it's just one degree, you're you're opening the door to a new pathway. And so that, that pathway then needs the nurturing and needs the noticing and the repeat of that, as you said, continuously making those choices to go here instead, or choosing this new goal or wanting to be uh, something different in this moment um, does really affect what goes on in the brain so that it all automatically um, and unconsciously happens that eventually with consistency, it changes. And then we go, hang on, I used to do this. 
very often it's not like, oh, I don't do this anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a conscious, it's thought. It's, oh my gosh, I remember the time when I used to respond to this person this way or these people in this particular context. And so I think it's so powerful to, as you say, two things really, self-awareness and choice. And as you said, owning it, owning that it's yours, it's not somebody else's. So when you take the power and own it, it's like taking the power back to change it, I find. Um, So it's not like it's going to change when the external stuff happens. I often see it as a thermostat and a thermometer. We have a choice. If we're the thermometer, we're getting our temperature taken and we're getting, it's being guided by all the external things and the, you know, we got a fever because of stuff that's going on and, and it needs to kind of fight itself out. When we're the thermostat, we're deciding the temperature of the room. And when we do that, I often find then that resonance and frequency, as you said, Alexandra, is changes the situation. You know, I was in in Tesco um, at the beginning of the lockdown where people were panic buying. I went into the supermarket and uh, I was just in my calm, peaceful state. Everyone's buying everything off the shelves, freaking out. It was really an interesting experience because I I really am not a big shopper. And so that experience wasn't pleasant. But for me, I just thought, I'm just going to be me, walk around, take my time. I'm not rushed. And I, I was about to put my hand up on a shelf to take something. And this woman came and grabbed it before and looked at me and said, oh, sorry, were you going to take this from, were you going to take this? And I said, no, it's okay. I was just looking. If you need it, I'll, I'll find what I need. Continued walking down another aisle. And a woman was like, oh my gosh, saying to herself, oh my gosh, I hope I can find the, the special peanut butter that I, that I like. And when she got to the shelf, it was packed with all the peanut butter she needed. So it was just very interesting witnessing all of this. And then I walked down one more aisle and this woman came up to me and said, thank you. I said, oh, really? For what? She said, I've been watching you and you are so calm. She said, right now we have a big storm and we need people like you. She said, I actually felt much calmer after I saw how you responded a few aisles back. Now, I didn't do it with the intention of impacting anyone. I was just being myself. But that's the point I'm making is when we're the thermostat, we affect the response of other people. And it can be such a positive pay it forward, ripple out thing that we you know, I think it's really important to acknowledge that coming back to self and centering and going, you know what, I have a choice in this moment. And this is what I choose. Or as you said, as you said, I think, I think Juliet, or maybe even in reflection, you didn't get it, but you got it in the reflection. So you have a choice for the next time. So, you know, we don't have to be hard on ourselves, but just being aware that we do have a little moment in time present right now and go, nah, this isn't going to be me today, or this is not my reaction today, even better. And then choose to do something else. Let's have the belly laughs like uh, Michelle's daughter instead. I'm sure that would have a very different impact on the people that were triggering in, in, the, in the first place. Oh, this is lovely. I'm just going to breathe all this yummy stuff in. You want to add anything to anything I've said or should we move on? Jump in, jump in. I, I was just going to say very quickly, just to echo what you said, um, you know, with the whole concept of authenticity and this living from moment to moment, I think that's so key you know we we get so prone to living our lives and going here then you know actually just taking time to react and respond to what happens to second rather than thinking this is how I respond or this is how I'm going to do it you know actually looking into each moment and just being in that moment and you know there's so much about this now and, and you know the, the the living in the moment the power of now and all this but but really you know it all comes down to living in the authentic doesn't it you know it's it's what you said Simone and and um and what you know I suppose we're all um we're all saying really but in terms of tools making sure that 
Uh, and for all of us, you know, I think we all have to work on this all the time. It's not, uh, it's not something you say, well, I've done it now. Have I? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. I, I, you know, constantly, <laughs> constantly living in the moment and, um, and, and being true to your response in the moment. Mm. Because at the end of the day, we've only got a collection of moments, haven't we? You know, and, and it's, it's really, what did I do in that moment? And that's, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) That's beautiful. Thanks, Alexandra. Something came up for me around pace because I was thinking about the woman who took the jar where you were. And obviously she had observed that you were there because she acknowledged that she'd observed that you were there. So she'd taken that in. But because of her sort of rush and her adrenaline and all those things, she actually wasn't able to respond in the moment, even though she she even acknowledged the moment. Mm. But it's fun. And there's so something coming up for me around pacing and just sometimes having the space around things enough to be responsive, I suppose. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. And I talk a lot about those. Um, and actually it's, it's not from me. I think, I think it was Michael Neal, one of these coaches that I absolutely love out there. He's my mentor, but he doesn't know. Um, but yeah, Michael Neal said, um, you know, he was talking about, this is years ago, um, about what we think often is as cause and effect, that there are pieces of that formula that is really important. And that's, I mean, I kind of adapted it now, so it might not be what he said, but it's from him. So cause pause, refine, and then respond. So that that cause and effect, there are two pieces in the middle where you slow down and pause as you just did. Sometimes that's not obvious, a massive obvious pause. Sometimes it's just a quick um, intake of air and relax and then say something. It's not necessarily sit back for 10 minutes before you respond, but that pause gives you the opportunity to pivot so that the effect then is changed. So I love that you picked up on that, that pacing, slowing down and just being more aware in the moment. I think it requires us to, to be in a pace that we can be more self-aware. And that's, that's an individual thing, but yeah, I love that. Thank you. Anything you want to Sorry, I'm just, I'm just going to just jump in want to say one thing that um, in that pacing, it's, it's so true. And what you experienced in Tesco, this um, actually, uh, taking the time to look into somebody's eyes and see what they're doing because I think you know we're all especially in London this whole you know we all sort of afraid to make eye contact you know and then you go to like a small town somewhere in in England or or abroad or somewhere and and you actually meet people and they they look at you in the eyes and, and, and you're actually invited to respond in that moment and it's it's that isn't it you know it's actually looking up and seeing around and seeing what other people are uh doing and and then in in those interactions responding um from person to person you know we're all we all carry the um sort of guards don't we you know and and what's going on within the guard you know self-protection and health and absolutely you know of course we have to put some sort of boundaries in place at some point i guess you know to survive perhaps but um but just having that human interaction allows for that pacing and allows them for us to be authentic rather than I must quickly make my uh, response because someone's going to shout at me or someone's going to, you know, bib their car horn or, you know, it's just having that space to say, yeah. And, and I, I love that moment what you said about the cause and effect and the stuff that goes in between. So I just, yeah, just wanted to. Hits their car horn or shouts, that's on them. It's not your business unless you make it. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think that the thing that I've picked up as well from, from what you all are saying is that life is accumulative. Our character is accumulative. It's not just one moment or one you know, scenario. And as we go through life and we have all these different experiences, we are constantly learning and we're constantly unpacking and we're constantly shifting things around. It's like, you know, when we're dressing for seasons, you know, in winter, we've got on all these layers and as spring comes in, now you're seeing the pretty dresses come out and people start to blossom and take things off. We, we, we go through life and we have so many seasons in life um and i think that we 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 kind of have this idea that we we get we arrive at this place and it's like yeah i know myself now i've got it all sussed i've got it all sorted out and then something some curveball comes in my friend calls it a plot twist and then we're all frazzled again it's like oh what happened i thought i i thought i had it we never have it we never have it we 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 can only strive to be the best version of ourselves in that moment at that time. Um, but I, I, from looking at um, the older generation, one thing I think it, they do, it's an, accum- a, an accumulative wisdom mm. through life experience. You, you start to gain these things and then they realize I don't need to sweat that. I don't need to get upset about that. Actually, no, I need to raise my voice here though, because this is urgent we, we learn all those things on the way as, as you know, we gather moss. Um, and that's just beautiful. I think, you know, sometimes we strive so hard to arrive. And actually, we're, we're always learning. We're always going through this process of self-discovery and um, figuring out, you know, where we are in that moment. And I think if we knew that earlier, we'd put a lot less stress on ourselves um, in terms of how we move through life. I really do. Yeah. And I think just to kind of bring that back to sound and authentic voice, it's, it applies that through experience and time and practice and play and exploration and seasons, you get more and more in touch with the sound and voice that was always there, that you always have access to when you peel back the layers that, that come on through life's experiences and you just allow yourself to live moment to moment. So I think what a wonderful way to kind of wrap up that thought. Um, I want to acknowledge all, all three of you. I was going to say four of you because I can see, well, I'll acknowledge me too, but I'll acknowledge you three. <laughs> Just saying how wonderful it is to witness your growth, your exploration, your play, and the impact that you're having in your field. The people that you touch, that you heal, that you train, that you, you know, help to grow and and go into that better version of themselves in whatever shape or form that is. Um, And thank you for your presence today, because this is a moment of pure joy and bliss for me this is where I this is what lights me up and to be able to experience it with the three of you is it's absolutely pressure precious my words now precious I'm so I'm so in the heart now the the head is just going somewhere else but it really is a precious moment and I, I just wanted to honor you and and just say I'm so filled with gratitude for your time your love and your presence and I can't wait to share this yumminess with everyone else so thank you thank you thank you to you all Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share it with your friends and remember to subscribe. 
from my heart to yours, sending you love, healing, and sound wherever you are.